Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Good morning to another episode of Tourpreneur Podcast. And this morning, I'm very proud to welcome Sachin Banzil. Sachin Banzil is from India. And this is the first time, I'm sad to say, because we should have had more operators on from India in the past, but we haven't. But today, Sachin, you're the first operator that we've had on from the great continent of India. Sachin is a multi-award winning tourism operator based in India. He's a destination experience specialist. He's got over 20 years experience in this sector. His companies have looked after prime ministers, looked after presidents and many other senior object, uh, executives. He operates companies called City Explorers and Regenerative Travel, but then wait for it. Some of the brands Sachin is looking after. India City Walks, India Heritage Walks, India City Discovery, Storytellers of India, India with Locals, India Food Trails, Spirited Trails, Water Heritage, Walks and Delhi Walks. I'm tired just saying all of that, Sachin, so I know you must be one busy, busy man. So one of the reasons I invited Sachin on is because I've been following him for a long time on various social social channels, uh, reading what he's been doing, looking at what he's been doing, watching some videos of what he's been doing. And he's building his tour operations in a very different way from what many of us have built in the past and many are, uh, operators and entrepreneurs building at the moment. So I want to dive into the way that Sachin's been scaling his businesses up over the years and the the driving force behind some of this. So Sachin, to start off, can you just give our viewers an overview? Obviously I mentioned lots of brands there. Just give us an overview of what you're doing as a tour operator in India. Uh, first of all, Peter, thank you very much for having me, especially uh, being the first one from India. It, it's again a proud moment for me and for me for my business, you know. Uh, having said that, uh, uh, we have been in tourism for long now, and uh, the business that we have developed over a period of time, it is regional uh, based, and we culminated the identities region by region, identified locals, and created brands to deliver authentic experiences and also provide local immersion. Uh, much of the time, uh, we have been asked for special interest tours to India, special uh, interest sightseeing to India, and special interest experiences to India. End of the day, all these products uh, that we create and the brands that you have just named, they are uh, target audience focused. Not each brand is similar to what will be required by an A party or a B party. Uh, what B party will require 
will not be accepted by a party. So, so there are a lot of tweaks and there are a lot of uh, focused delivery mechanics which goes into. Uh, the, the business model has been uh, a purely for-profit business. Uh, uh, we are not an NGO. Uh, we support uh, skill development, uh, capacity uh, building, so that we are able to control the experience and create customer delight. You mentioned, uh, and a lot of the work I've seen that you've produced in the past, it's focused on the people on the ground real life experiences of what's happening in cities and happening in villages and happening in rural areas of India, because I know you're operating all, all over India, but it's this focus of real life experiences rather than curated experiences for the traveller that the traveller thinks they're going to see. You're actually engaging the local communities, uh, not just engaging, training and investing time in the local communities to, yes. to create real life experiences for the for the traveler to experience so, so business has been divided into three parts uh, uh, from business i mean the tourism products the tourism offerings uh, it is curated india it is uh, hand-picked india and and third is eq encounters you know which is emotional coordinated uh, encounters now all these three uh, high level verticals they further get divided into our products, you know, uh, what we offer in terms of box, in terms of experiences, in, in terms of impact initiatives. Mm -hmm. Now, when a customer is looking forward to, uh, to, a, uh, to, to a product, which is uh, an interesting sightseeing local product, then that product is being delivered based on the economies of scale the person is, or the visitor is desiring. By that, I mean, if they want to do a walk, the walk is priced at certain level. If they want to get into a sightseeing for four hours, five hours, six hours, it is being priced at certain level. And also the delivery standard varies between a resource person who is delivering based on his or her knowledge expertise also. So the hierarchy of the delivery standards we have, we have got walk meters, we have got city explorers, we have got city mavericks, we have got food tourists. And all these nomenclatures are, have become industry standard for us. They are intellectual properties and which we have been using freely in the market uh, to showcase the competency that we bring on uh, tourism sector. I do know that, again, from reading some of the stuff that you've published in the past, you're not just focused on the locals and training some of the locals to, to engage with the tourism going there. But you're acting as a, a hub uh, where you've got education providers, where you've got corporate companies involved, where you've got academia involved, you've got government agencies involved. So you seem to be acting as a hub where you're pulling all of these different agencies that every single destination in the world has all of these agencies as well, but not many tour offers I see engaging with them all. Uh, engaging in a way that gets them involved in the actual tour delivery and the understanding of what you're trying to achieve as a tour operator with the local people. I, I would say, I mean, rather than a tour operator, we are experiences operators and uh, to showcase authentic India. And to show something in an authentic manner, you need research, you need academia, you need local resources to tell the stories. Um, when we started the business, the vision was to 
create the business in a sustainable manner you know then we saw sustainability as a word for environment you know and and then we uh, then we went across to inclusiveness then we got inclusion by by involving a lot many locals on board this has been done with the vision to 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 create to create that emotive connect with india integrated uh, with advancements of uh, creativity advancements of uh, uh, showcase and uh, and also uh, access much of the time when you are in india uh, sometimes it also becomes a sort of senses there are a lot of smells sound sights uh, which are very different from rest of the world you know and in two sense everything has a story around it. everything has a fusion around it and this is how we have been refreshing tourism products based on seasonalities uh we have been refreshing products based on customer requirements and also curating products specific to special interest themes that a customer desires and for that uh we definitely need uh, more of researchers on board in our team we need more of uh, a specialist we need more of more of uh, archaeologists architects historians and this is how we have been creating capacity uh, to grow in this industry we are limited to tours activity sightseeing and experiences uh, we are not getting into the hotel or flight uh, bookings because the, those are the tourism commodity we don't get into and we are just refining the proposition night and day of how we can provide an excellent customer experience to any traveler uh, who books through us b2b b2c uh, direct to customer uh, otas are lot many channels in which our sales team are working in and uh, again all these products are uh, uh, created in a way where the content is owned by us the the imagery is owned by us we supply the the content and the imagery based on the uh, preference of b2b partner who, who wants to sell a particular product so you will never find our images or our client pictures or our uh, content being across several sites yeah. every site uh, whom we uh, do an agreement with we sign up with we understand their vision of what they want us to sell and so that accordingly we deliver it for them something i noticed when as a word that i see often uh, mainly in the startup world the technology startup world and software development whereas a lot of startups end up in incubators. You seem to be using an incubator to develop experiences. Could you just talk about the, the incubator that you're running? Yes, I mean, uh, incubation is linked to academia for us. Uh, we, we always thought that uh, it, it becomes, uh, uh, it is very important to give entrepreneurial opportunities for locals so that they can become entrepreneur and operate their own tours and sightseeing business. uh it and it is not uh, imperative that they only do business with us they can do with any third party so it is more about our impact creation in the market through which we uh, we bring more inclusion in in the in the game of sightseeing sector you know and uh, bring in no more unique faces to deliver uh amazing uh, tours box and experiences in a unique way because end of the day in incubation Uh, it's the storytelling uh, it is about uh, uh, 
research of the area and it is all about marketing and packaging the product which matters this is what we teach this is how this is what we train locals to uh, to get on to the market and and become go to market ready so that they are able to sell uh, the product as an entrepreneur and don't really rely on aggregators or any third party suppliers so it's it's a passion you know i mean when i started this business i never got any support it was it is more about a self made scenario self made uh, entrepreneurship and people used to laugh at me that after working for so many years you have become a tour guide man you know so so i i used to say it is not about the tour guide it is about sharing stories about a place uh, which i love and it is more about showing things differently and for that i used to charge a premium also and hence it culminated into a business over a period of time and i said when i started like this uh, india has a story at every step why don't i create more of people like me you know so so that we are able to show india in a true different sense yeah i think everybody on listening to this the entrepreneur community i think most of us all started with a passion rather than business focused and obviously by the nature of the beast you have to become business focused going forward but i think the vast majority of people come into this industry driven by passion however as we're seeing the industry has to professionalize give me 2 seconds such and i'm just going to halt the recording no problems yeah so the the passion story is pretty typical in our, our industry however uh, i do see and certainly what you're doing is we are all on a journey here of making the industry much more professional i mean it's not a small industry it's a very large uh, part of tourism and travel together and it's the reason people travel to have experiences to interact with destinations and interact with people so we are the reason people travel so it's a significant industry and it's one of the things we're trying to address in entrepreneur is how do we professionalize the industry because it can't just survive in passion because we're interacting with other parts of the industry who are very professional and if you have yeah. professional sectors interacting with passion driven passion led sectors it's quite easy to get taken advantage of unless you actually professionalize and, and train and then educate tour operators to to be able to do the business practices that that have to be done something you mentioned earlier that I'd like you to expand on uh, many of our members sell direct many of them use aggregators not many have built the sort of b2b network that I know you have uh, and I'm a big fan of b2b networks because if you make a relationship it can last for 5 years 10 years 15 years and that's customers coming from that b2b relationship all the time so the cost of acquisition of getting that relationship is is priced out over many years uh, whereas often when people are chasing direct business the client they may only ever see once in their life and they've maybe yeah. not worked at the cost of acquisition versus the uh, the profit they make from that customer so could you just talk about your b2b side of the business how you decided to build it how you went about building it and how important is is it to you absolutely i mean india is too big and uh, as a passion business tour tour operator business comes at a number one point which anybody can start you know uh, so but yes there has to be sales channel there has to be business sense and there has to be profit making 
when you are operating a business. Uh, B2B scenario for us has been very clean and very neat. Uh, B2B community is, uh, uh, works with uh, the domestic users, which, which is their clients. And then there is an inbound uh, business that comes in from foreign countries to India, uh, which we also uh, use a nomenclature DMC, which is a destination management company, which caters to that business. For us, uh, B2B business uh, uh, has been evolving. We have a sales team which, have, which uh, uh, is uh, uh, often seen networking and, and also often seen offering the familiarization trips. Uh, for us, uh, the, the strategy to make familiar uh, with our product works very well in the B2B community because they tend to understand that how, what's the difference in how we are offering our product and what is our delivery and what is the scale that we can operate upon. Uh, much of the time you don't get this sense when you are just shooting on emails or sending the EDMs or creating a good graphics. So, so B2B is all about uh, network. It is all about meeting people, telling them the, the differentiators, telling them the customer experiences and also uh, managing the show for them. Because end of the day, when they pass on a client to you, they are passing that trust uh, that you will be able to deliver and meet uh, your commitment uh, so, so that the customer goes happy. And this we have been uh, uh, fulfilling uh, since last several years without fail. Uh, we have never, we have never uh, trespassed any B2B partner or, or got into the client directly only because uh, we have serviced them, but we also respected that relation that we received the client uh, from the B2B partner and not from a direct channel. I think that, that trust has uh, given us uh, leverage uh, within the B2B community because, uh, uh, because there was an honest uh, approach to experience delivery. You mentioned familiar farm trips there, and just for our listeners, some many of our listeners will understand what a farm trip is, but I also know we have a lot of listeners who don't understand what a farm trip is. So a familiarization trip is where some of the travel trade will come and visit and operate and be hosted and looked after and get to experience what their customers can experience going forward. So I take it you're doing farm trips for internal Indian business partners or potential business partners and also doing farm trips from uh, inbound international clients as well, yes? Uh, sorry, I mean, uh, uh, there was a break in the connection now. Oh, sorry, uh, I was just discussing farm trips. Yeah. Uh, some of our operators are more than aware of farm trips. I know some of our operators will actually do farm trips, but many of our operators, are, are, it's a term that they're not overly familiarized with. So farm trips are where you get a bunch of travel people, travel professionals to get, and you introduce them to the experience. I take it you're doing them internally in India for business partners in India and potential partners in India. You're also running international farm trips where people come into India from overseas Absolutely. European Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yes. We, are, we are doing this because till the time you don't get to taste the product or the experience, especially for the B2B market, how can you sell it? Uh, and, and there is no upselling strategy there. It is more about the product manager understanding the product and then putting that product into their catalogs uh, for seasonal sales. And it has worked well for us. 
So for the listeners, again, just from my own experience operating in Southeast Asia, India, many times, Nepal, countries like that, I've done a lot of farm trips. I don't actually know how many farm trips I've done. It's dozens and dozens of farm trips. I always use them, one, to discover a destination, discover a product set, discover an experience set, but they were also a means of finding out if that operator and myself had a relationship that we could work with. But the other huge benefit of farm trips I always found was the other people on the farm trips. So you were not just there for the, the operator who was delivering on the ground, but you were meeting a lot of other travel people on the farm trips, often from multiple countries. And there may never be a business relationship between you because of you're in different sectors, but the, just the learning journey that you had with all of these different travel professionals on a formalization trip, particularly if it involved the experiences and actually experiencing the true uh, service that was provided, uh, I, I don't think I'd have been able to build my multi-day business without farm trips, if I'm sorry, if I'm, I'm honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this is what it is. The B2B channel is always developed on farm trips, is always developed on differentiation and also the price point. And as a business, yeah. once you are able to uh, understand that what are your uh, price benchmarks, that then it becomes uh, very easy uh, to approach your B2B operator because end of the day, uh, a tourism uh, from business as a sector is, is a margins game, you know, and, and, uh, and one needs to understand that, uh, that the price points have to be competitive and, uh, and they have to be uh, affordable in a way that the product can be sold, can be consumed. Uh, yep. regularly. On a completely different subject, Sergeant, I, I know you've been running, or in combination with academia, you've also been running certification courses for your guides yes. or storytellers or whatever it is you're, is you're covering. What, yes. Tell us a bit about the, the certification that you've been developing. Well, we have been uh, operating uh, joint courses with the uh, universities and they have joint certifications uh, to, to create more uh, people in the field uh, as walk leaders uh, because uh, uh, looking at the tour guiding as a community, uh, walk leading is just a very short uh, uh, offering uh, in a full tour guide scenario, which is six to seven hours of sightseeing of, of walking tour is only an hour, hour and a half, maximum two. And in two hours, talking about a place, telling about stories, getting to know and uh, able to uh, share the visual thought line of the past. Uh, it is important that the walk leader is a good orator, has a pleasing personality, uh, understands the subject, understands the area, and is able to communicate well. So we have been uh, developing uh, Soft, uh, uh, soft skills, also giving them an understanding of what does a walking tour mean, what does an experience uh, mean, what does it entail, what are the points uh, where uh, they should uh, uh, keep their momentum and to create a customer delight. So this course is uh, spread across 30 hours to 50 hours, uh, both in hybrid and physical mode, uh, which gives them enough understanding of uh, becoming a walk leader and operating their own box. Excellent. What's the, I'm a pre-COVID, 
I was a regular visitor to India. I think the last trip I was there was 2018, uh, but I've been dozens of times. It's one of my favorite destinations in the world. What's the situation in India at the moment with regards tourism? Because the world has all recovered from COVID at very different speeds. Some destinations yeah. have recovered exceedingly fast. Uh, have already grown to 2019 levels. Some destinations are ahead of 2019 levels. However, I also know there's many destinations around the world that haven't recovered and have only recovered between 20 and 50% of what they were experiencing in 2019. So what's the general tourism situation in India at the moment? Uh, the current situation is that recovery has uh, happened. Uh, again, uh, there's a lot of domestic uh, tourism. Um, India is big, it's vibrant. And, you know, uh, uh, so people are traveling from one city to another, which has given boost to domestic travel a lot. Self-drive holidays, new thematic concepts have come in. Indians are exploring India now. Mm -hmm. uh, from inbound standpoint, still recovery has to be felt, which we see should happen in the next six to eight months, uh, when there is uh, more of uh, relaxation on the visa, the flights, uh, etc. Uh, but yes, uh, there is uh, government support coming in uh, with lot many programs on infrastructure being developed. Uh, there are hygiene and safety issues which are being addressed. So, so it's on a recovery mode. Uh, it's not uh, yet touched the 2019 levels. But yes, looking at uh, the current situation, we shouldn't be far away to 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 get on to the 2019 uh, operating yeah. margins. Do you get the feeling that India is a big country? It's a scaled country. It's got 1.3 billion, maybe more, people. Yeah. Uh, it's very young, so the average age is, is younger than, than a lot of destinations. So all of that screams to me just, one, it screams growth is going to happen internally with internal tourism because it's a big country. You could spend years in India and not see the whole, the whole of India. So there's, there's growth baked into the India system from a tourism perspective without any international visitors coming. Just in India, when you have 1.3 billion people developing very quickly and industry, recently India, I think, overtook the UK to become the fifth most highest GDP country in the world. So it's a booming place. The bottom line is yeah. India is booming. Tourism is going to get a big chunk of that. Is there an awareness from the government? Is there an awareness in industry of how important tourism is going to be and how big tourism is going to be in India? Yes, I mean, I think uh, I, I will put this into two perspectives. One, one from my perspective, another from the industry standpoint. As I always say, you know, in India, I mean, we are in the biggest uh, unaligned, culturally diverse uh, space. And exploring India always makes a good story for lifetime. Yeah. And, 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 and telling that story is our competency as a business in tours and activities. Uh, we all recognize, industry recognizes this, government recognizes it. It's just that it takes time. After COVID, the recovery is still being felt. The businesses have broken down. Uh, there are new businesses which are being resurrected in a different way altogether. Technology is coming as an air. Uh, uh, the, the, the tourism sector definitely uh, requires a lot of investment, uh, both from business standpoint and both from uh, government standpoint. To get onto this uh, platform where we recognize tourism as the uh, industry creators, yes, yeah, uh, 
tourism built bakes in a gdp it grows our economy to a next level and also it also supports capacity and the skill because the unemployment issues can be mitigated through tourism and getting more and more people into hospitality and tourism sector yeah on a I do know from again reading some of the stuff you produced and watching some of the videos, the big issue, above all issues, in fact, no, we'll leave that till the end. We'll, we'll speak about that at the end. One of the challenges often when I was in India, looking at the challenges of the operators on the ground, was was the challenge around pricing. And pricing is a bit of a hobby horse of mine, as listeners will know. I'm always ranting on about pricing and making sure you've got value in there and, and pricing correctly to to respect the value that you're recreating for the the consumer for the for the guest price was always a challenge in India because there was so much competition and so much pressure on price down the way that was often making quality not as high as it could be because there was price pressure all the time and I as you know I come from an adventure travel background and if price goes down quality goes down and then something has to give and that's that becomes high risk then there's a danger element in there you can't keep squeezing prices otherwise you will have consequences so what has COVID done to the pricing points obviously you've dropped a lot of inbound consumers who were high spending consumers a lot of businesses have gone out of business so is there been a with the businesses that are left standing and the new businesses opening, are people trying to address price more professionally and raise price to respect the value the value it's actually been offered? Uh, to be honest with you, it's, it's always a cutthroat competition when it is all about uh, travel and tourism. Uh, uh, but yes, uh, travel has gone expensive. Uh, there are safety, hygiene issues. There, there, there is a... a, a Productivity management, the human resource cost, everything has gone very expensive. Uh, as far as uh, uh, price war is concerned or price consciousness is concerned, uh, customer is always a king. You know, uh, whatever customer desires, the prices can be altered accordingly. But yes, uh, there is never an instance where the price is altered to a level where it is threat to the customer's uh, uh, journey. You know. Uh, that shouldn't happen. That is very unethical uh, if, if, if that thought comes in. So to manage the price war and to, uh, to be exclusive in the market, constant innovation, good vision, uh, and ability to thrive in a competition is, uh, has to be there. And it is all about uh, resilience, shared, shared vision sort of a scenario. Um, and co-creation with customers. Much of the time, I mean, if I give you our example, uh, we have been co-creating our itineraries with the customers, which which uh, uh, does bring the pricing down because there are some inclusions or exclusions which are managed in a way where customer doesn't feel cheated or doesn't feel bad, you know. Uh, but yes, price war, price comparisons, and uh, price management will always be there in the travel sector. All we want to do is manage it in a way where it uh, makes sense and always create delight. So the big the big issue of our time isn't demand, in my opinion. It's 
every destination recovering at different rates, but everybody will recover as long as we don't have another incident of everything being shut down. Destinations will all recover to a, to a certain extent. So demand is baked into the system because people want to travel and the populations are growing and the middle class in various destinations, particularly India, is growing. So we have a baked in demand in the tourism global network. This bank of customers that just want to travel, want to spend money, want to experience new experiences. The challenge I see for the industry is not creating demand, it's how are we going to manage this demand going forward? With the environmental challenges we have, the sustainability challenges we have, the industry to this point has played more or less lip service, in my opinion, to 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 these issues. I, I think more than that, I mean, when we call it a business, it has to be business efficiency and business productivity, which has to be right. And business efficiency can only come with the right price points. It cannot come with uh, doing business and losses and thinking that we will do a recovery later. Uh, secondly, sustainable sustainability. As I said, sustainability is the word uh, which can be used in business sense differently and in environment sense differently. Uh, for business to be sustainable, it has to make profit making. Uh, and if it, if it is profit making, it can certainly contribute to the environment. But if the business is not sustainable, it's losses, how can you create benefit uh, for the communities or create impact in the environment? That's the question I've been uh, looking answer for when I'm researching, when I'm meeting people, because everybody is going towards uh, uh, going green, uh, sustainable, environment friendly. But what is actually happening on ground is yet to be seen from activity to a sightseeing scenario, not from uh, the hotel uh, or, or the uh, transportation scenarios. Because in transportation, you have got EVs, uh, you, you have got the, the green certification for hotels, but in tour and activity scenario, uh, there is no certification as such. It is only the activity provider who has to take care of the environment where he's operating or she's uh, operating. It, it, and obviously this is an incredibly complex issue and it, it hurts my head every time I try to get my head around it. But as experienced providers and particularly multi-day multi, multi -day experienced providers, we're often the reason people travel more often than not. So the, the, the transport and the accommodation side is a byproduct of the reason people are traveling. They need to transport to get to a destination and they need accommodation when they get there. But the reason they're going there is to experience the great experiences. So I can't see going forward how experienced providers can ignore the other side, the accommodation and the transport. We have to take account of the whole impact that our guests, if we're generating the demand for these guests and then hosting these guests, we have to take account for the whole uh, impact, positive and negative, that that, that guest is uh, doing. One of the challenges I'm seeing going forward as for long-haul destinations in particular is there's, a, there's this perceived risk now in people's heads uh, of long-distance travel. So in the news recently, I had friends in Pakistan over the last two weeks on a trekking holiday in the mountains of Pakistan. Pakistan had the very bad uh, floods, still massively, millions of people disrupted. The environment is changing and certain destinations are going to not be the same as they were. 
on a regular basis. And that's going to impact on people's perception of the destination. Is it a safe destination from an environmental perspective to, to go to or not? So this is all playing out as, as we speak. So from an adventure travel operator, as I was in the past, how does this impact me? Well, we go to challenging places. Now, the amount of rockfalls, avalanches, extreme weather that is happening in every single destination I used to take people to has changed. And not for the better, it's changing for the worse. Like it's, it's more occurrences of bad things happening with, with the environment because of, of global warming. So I don't have the answers for all of this. I just see things changing at such a speed that there's positives and negatives in it. Yes, I mean, I completely agree with you, you know, and after COVID, it is all about safety and hygiene scenarios, you know, um, and, and these things will keep on evolving. But end of the day, for, for the tour operator community, uh, from my experience, the social performance has to be aligned with financial performance. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, there is a gap, and in that gap, uh, you get all sort of uh, mismatched products, which uh, don't bring happiness uh, to the paying customer. Uh, yes, there are certifications, there is awareness, uh, there are programs uh, which are opening up, but on ground, uh, managing the opportunities and also making, bringing in local communities together and making them understand the impact on the environment and whatever what all they can do for the environment is is a very very important thing because it's not about the tour operator community it is all about locals living in that area it, it is all about uh, uh, local economies thriving in those areas where the tourist traveler visitor will be going and interacting they have to sensitize the travelers on ground what needs to be done and, uh, and what uh, what uh, doesn't have to happen that's what it is and and we are still seeing these changes you know uh, one day you see uh, some natural calamity happening in where when people are on trek the other day uh, you see uh, some rally protest is happening and the access is closed yeah these things also have to be uh, uh, spoken about, you know, because it is all about activity or a tour, which leads to an experience. Experience is emotive. It is a connection to a place and it brings memories. So and sometimes the, certainly thinking back to the, the trips, often when they experience, the experience that people remember is when things happen that weren't planned to happen, <laughs> when there's disruption, when there's things that maybe be intimidating or scary. It's these things, if they're handled well, it's these things that stay in people's mind and it's the, that is the trigger for many decades after they've actually had the experience to talk about that, de that destination again. So it, sometimes these things, particularly the way the media uh, portrays them, is always in a negative way, but sometimes they can actually be a positive experience for the, the people that are actually experiencing them. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think uh, it is more about uh, uh, bringing in local communities and getting into sustainability 
scenarios and, and and bringing products out which are more participatory which are more uh, uh, governed which have compliance which have a process and that's how uh, you will also see impact on the environment and you will also see uh, how the uh, skill set is growing and how delivery standards are rising so just to finish off your search and if i was to ask you what's as a reasonably skilled operator in india growing operator with all the different brands all the different stuff that we've discussed you're into what you what do you see your biggest challenges over the next 2 to 5 year period i think um, our biggest challenge as a activity operator will be managing the content uh, in the digital space where there is a lot of cut copy paste and lot of digital clutter how how do you keep your uniqueness intact how do you uh, uh, send the content with the right channel so that it doesn't get misused is what i see uh, is there's a challenge which we are also mitigating by creating lot many intellectual properties you know uh, but uh, capacity skill building awareness product uh, there is enough there is enough in india you know you you, you can uh, it's it's such a diverse land you know uh, that that there's no dearth of it Uh, but yes how do you sell your products how do you bring your products forward in front of the consumer uh, though you have b2b channels also but to get into the direct scenario is what the challenge is yeah and many of our members many of our entrepreneurs content production is something everybody i would say struggles with uh, not just from a volume of content production of, that they do but differentiate making sure their content is different from others because yeah. the, the consumer the guest they're looking for something is different they're looking for the unique and the more we all produce the same content the more it can be aggregated and the more it's aggregated the more the price point gets pressured and it becomes an extraction economy where the operator on the ground and the people in the communities are working with are not getting the value and all of that starts with content Yeah. before it goes into the the digital space and I, i do see it as a huge challenge particularly for small operators one person two person three person four person operators who don't have teams producing unique content updating that content on a regular basis distributing the content to partners that respect it and use it in the correct way all of that is a is a major challenge and even with all the new tools we've got and all the new technologies we've got sometimes it just seems to make it even harder and harder rather than than e- than easier so it is a a significant challenge i don't have the the solution for it i do think with a lot of the new technologies coming along the innovation space around content is huge you're mm-hmm. going to be able to produce much more than just photography and the written word and video there's going to be a blending of all sorts of new technologies that allow destinations to communicate with guests in a very different way from what we're doing at the moment and that's that's quite exciting uh, because it will really allow destinations to to demonstrate their uniqueness uh, in advance of the of the customer or the customer or the guest arriving uh, whether small operators are going to be able to get involved in that I'm not sure uh, but it's certainly some of the the AR and VR stuff 
I've seen in the last several months uh, is is going to change how content marketing is done for travel for sure. Absolutely, and I, and I, I completely resonate with you. Uh, but the impact for the small operator is very, very different. It's very minuscule uh, because AR, VR are technologies which Web 3.0, uh, Metaverse, NFTs uh, is, is, the, is, the, is the play area right now. And it's a favorite area uh, for uh, the digital enthusiast. But for us, what we have seen is that technology is just an enabler to get you to point A to point B to help you transact. You know, uh, content, uh, content, the product, and the differentiations become your key selling points for for the activity operators, small, big, uh, in all sizes. The differentiation will matter a lot. Why customer chooses them versus why not somebody else? And that differentiation has to be highlighted uh, somewhere or the other. Right now, much of the time, we see when we go to a destination, it is word of mouth marketing. Much of the time we hear from people around that this activity provider is good. Why don't you just take a walk or uh, take a particular activity with, with them? But that word of mouth, how can that person make it viral? Yeah. Is, is the technology, is the gap area right now, which uh, I see can, can work very well if somebody bridges that gap in India. Yeah, for sure. So for our listeners, if we, we do have many multi-day operators in the tourpreneur community, it's one of the fastest growing sectors of our community is the multi-day. If you're looking to reach out and have add India as a new destination, please reach out direct to Sachin or reach out to me and I'll put you in, in touch with Sachin and let's start getting some business done going back into India. Thank you very much, Sachin. I'm sure you will not be the last. You're the first, but you won't be the last uh, guest we're going to have on from India because it's a bit of a, a passion destination of mine. So I've got some other invites lined up to have some other uh, input from the great nation of India. Thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much.